Okay, more Malachi. You ready for that? God's special treasure. So chapter 3, we'll get into some things in there and see what God has, has uh, in store for us. God's special treasure. We have to go through some things before we get to that particular part. So let me start with theology, a theological term. And you probably are, uh, well, we'll put the word up solid up there just so you have a, a clue. And um, this, is, this is to give you an idea that uh, with the, the lighthouse, that this is solid, uh, that the uh, lighthouse is giving direction, but also providing safety. Uh, the ships move, the lighthouse doesn't. Uh, that's that's the, uh, the idea. So you kind of get this... Uh, Image, but let me give you the, the theological term immutable. That is the one that applies to God's attribute of being unchanging. So when we come to Malachi 3 6, I am the Lord and I do not change. You know, that's a simple sentence. Okay, let's move on. That sentence will keep you from being crushed under the weight of your own guilt. It will keep you safe in the loving arms of a God who cares about you. It will keep God consistent when you're looking for justice. If he were moody like human beings and he woke up in the morning grumpy because, you know, not until after that first or second cup of coffee am I decent to be around. Great, that's nice. Well, you know, i got to be in bed by 8.30 at night, so after that... Or, you didn't feed me at noon, so now I'm hangry. And I have a right to be short-tempered and difficult to live with. So, see the importance of immutability? He's consistent. He says, he loves you. God so loved the world. Sent Jesus. Jesus cared so much that he was willing to go to the cross for you. His love is constant, unchanging, immutable. That's what that sentence is. And there's something that happens here uh, as we get to the next section of this. It's also the reason we were doing those songs earlier. You say and and I will rescue you, and you get the, the idea that God cares, he's involved. But sometimes people will get to the place where they think God is the one, uh, he's just turned his back on them, and there's just nothing, it's, 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 he's done something. So if someone moved, it wasn't God, and this is continuation, you know, I'm the Lord, and I do not change. But ever since the days of your ancestors, he's addressing those people before the time of Christ. This is the last of the books in the Old Testament. You have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. If you turn to me, then... You know, we can, we can start moving forward because it's about this relationship and he wants his people back. But you ask, how can we return 
when we've never gone anyway. Yeah, we've never gone away. It's you. It's not God that moved. He's solid. He's the lighthouse. He's solid rock. Jesus said it's really wise to build on the rock, not on the sand. That's because the rock is immutable. It's unchanging. It's going to hold up. Storms of life come. You can trust it's built in the right place. Build on the sand, changes, and storms, floods will move that sand around and the house will collapse. So there's a difference in that whole idea. Where's God? Why is it that God has abandoned me? And he said, no, just return to me. I've not gone anywhere. You moved. And human beings do that all the time. But it's interesting how we flip it on him. So I want you to remember that he is immutable and he does not change. So he is there. He's solid. He is communicating. He's waiting. He's providing light, the guidance. And he's like the lighthouse providing a way to say, don't come here or watch out for that because you're going to crash and sink. Here's, here's a better way to go. So he's, he's giving us all that. But there's, as we go through Malachi, you, you've noticed there's, there's a statement. God gives a statement. There's an argument back, uh, sometimes a little snarky, and they are just being belligerent as, in their responses to who God is. So getting a hold of, okay, he's, he's, he's God. I need to know him. I need to know his attributes. I, know, I need to know how he actually works. Not what I assume, not what the people in my, my um, culture think, but what he says. Because if you go with the culture or what you think, sometimes you're going to come up with answers much like what they did. We don't want to go there. So we're going we're gonna to go with God. Is, he's safe. He's solid. He is the one we can trust. So our next part, so that's, that's the uh, Malachi 3.7. This next section is cheating hearts. Cheating hearts. I can hear Hank Williams right there. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. And these accusations, you know, come with these responses. So this one is, uh, but you ask, what do you mean? We, when did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Verse 8. He made a deal with them early on. He made a contract with the people of Israel. He's taking care of them. He's blessing them. He's going to be with them. And he lays out these instructions. And those instructions came back in the book of Exodus. So you can go back and read through those. And as he repeated in Deuteronomy, but he's giving these in, this the instructions so that the people know, okay, this is, this is our God, and our God has some uh, requirements for us so that we can live, so that the system will work and we can live well. So that's, that's what he's trying to accomplish. And part of that is in the tithes and the offerings so the people participate in the community life of this relationship with God and with the community, the people of God around them by contributing. And the tithe is a 10%, in case you didn't know how that worked, 10% of 
their income and or ten percent of their produce from whatever their livestock or whatever it is they happen to have. There are some sacrifices, some things that happen at the temple. Uh, this was a uh, to be a thing that came from their heart. It's supposed to be a thing that they are so taken with the love of God and His care and His blessing and His benefits that they joyously, freely give the best that they have, which is the idea of the tithes and offerings. Tithes 10%, offerings would go beyond, be something different. And here's an opportunity for them to say, yes, we appreciate you and all that you've done for us, and, and we're returning to you what you've, from what you've given to us. So there, that was a deal that was made way ahead. This isn't like, oh, surprise, we didn't know we were supposed to do this. It's just an ongoing thing. But should people cheat God? And they're going, well, you know, we, we don't get it because, you know, why should we, you know, we just really don't want to give any money to this thing or whatever you're doing. And God goes on. That was 3.8. Now we're in 3.9. God's response to the cheating, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 9. Now, that's the people of Israel, the whole nation, when he says that. That's a nation uh, uh, that is politically a theological nation. It's, it's a theocracy. It operates under God and the rules that were given early in Exodus. So that's different than democracies and republics and other kinds of governments. But in their system, God is to be central and his instructions are to be followed. And God blesses that nation, blesses Israel, to keep them and make the things that they're doing. Like, it's an agricultural society, so they have to grow things. And then that provides the food. And I mean, talk, talk about the uh, farm-to-table to kind of society. This is it. This is where that happens. If they don't get rain at a particular time, sun at a particular time, if the soil's bad, if there's an invading army, if there are a bunch of locusts, if the diseases eat the plants, if the crops just don't produce, that's it. That's what you got. That's what you live on. And he blesses them and keeps all of those things going. Remember when the spies go in to examine the land. They're sent out by Moses, and there's 12 of them. They go throughout the land. They come back and report. They have on their shoulders beams tied with these giant clusters of grapes that are so heavy laden because this place produces so well. That's what they're bringing back, going, this is what this place does, the land of promise. And God says, I'm going to give that to you. That's what you're going to have. And he's going to help it produce. So now they're under a curse because the whole nation decided, yeah, I don't want to give that back. Their hearts were turned away from God, not toward him. Their hearts were not fully his. They were more consumed with getting their own stuff, getting ahead, keeping their bank accounts full. Whatever it was, they did not want to do that. So he's saying, you cheated me. So as a result of that, they're under a curse. So a curse is bad. You probably got that. The curse is like light and darkness. 
Light is something. Darkness is the absence of light. Take away light, it's dark. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Same as heat. Heat is something. Cold is the absence of heat. So you take it away. God's blessing, God's presence, take that away. You have a curse. In case you didn't know how this worked. The curse is the absence of God's goodness, his presence, his blessing. You just take it away. Now you no longer have light. Ah, now you no longer have warmth. It's just gone. Curse. So you've been cheating me. That's the result of you know breaking the promise that they had made that they said we will do what you said because we want you to go with us. And they violated that. Testing God's truthfulness. Uh, verse 10, God says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. That's in Jerusalem. Bring, bring this in to his place for his, uh, to fulfill the promises that he's made to the people. And remember, a lot of this food is going to keep the system going. That pays for the Levites, the priests. The, that group of people were not given the farmland. They weren't given these cities that produce things. They were given the temple. They're, they are there to take care of the people, and so they're set aside. They don't have all of those other things. The system was all the people will be blessed, and then they bring in a percentage, and then that keeps the temple system going, takes care of the Levites, and, and so they don't have to be involved, and in, they don't have to have all the farmland. That's, that was the system that was breaking down. Because they decided to hold on to it themselves and they didn't think God knew what he's doing, so we run into this this issue. But he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And you've heard, don't test God. You've heard that. You've maybe even said that. And look at this. He says just the opposite. Really? You want to press it? Just do what I said and see what happens. And where would it be that they would store these? Well, it's an agricultural society with barns. Where do you put your stuff? You put it in the barns. You have a place to store it. Maybe some, I don't know, some pits in the ground. You keep stuff. He's going to fill them, overfill them, keep on bringing. And so they're going to have plenty of everything. Just test me. Just do it and just see if I don't come through for you. And even today, in our modern age, if we read that scripture, we'll go, yeah, hmm. I don't know. I think, I think I'll just check the markets in the morning, see how the Dow's doing. I'll put my money in a bank. And if you did that like two years ago and you're looking at your accounts now, you might want to rethink this verse. Give it to the Lord. See if you don't have things that overflow. Test him. See if he does that. Because the stuff out there in the world... Not so much. And if he pulls back, 
you have cursed accounts. The absence of God, he's not going to be there to make sure that these things grow. You can be clever as you want. You can have a financial manager. They are not smarter than God. It's not going to work. So what do we do? I think we have some application here. We're not Israel. We're not operating a nation the same way. But there's some principles of turning to him, trusting him, recognizing that he cares about us and he is unchanging, that he has uh, a desire for us to come near, to come close to him and he'll come close to us, and that when we do what he, he desires, we have a heart for him and a heart for the things that he's doing, he's going to bless us. He's going to bring some things in, open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. That's how much. And he'll bring it. So that's, this principle is pretty good. He is so faithful to his people, and he wants us to test him. He, he's, he's saying, this is it. I told you not to test me in other things. This, test me. Just do it and see what happens. And because it happens to be stuff, as uh, you know, believers and, 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 and committed followers of Jesus, we tend to go with material stuff more than spiritual stuff often. Have you noticed that? If it comes to pocketbook, we're listening. We know blessings, we know curses, we know when it works, we know when it doesn't, because it's, it's money. We will watch the heck out of that. Well, I missed my devotional time. I haven't read through the Bible in 27 years. It's good. Pray for me because I have cancer. Yeah, I'll get to it, buddy. And we forget. And we go on our way. Because spiritual things don't stick in our heads as well as money. Maybe you've noticed that. But material things really get our attention. And he's saying, this is it. I'll get your attention. Do it my way and see if I don't come through for you in ways you can't even imagine. And I will overflow beyond what you can imagine and uh, be a blessing. Open the windows of heaven. It's pretty exciting. Look how he does this. This is the agricultural anomaly. This is in verses 11 and 12. Your crops will be abundant. Apparently under the curse, that's not the case. But now your crops will be abundant when you test them and see what he does. For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So here's the the Lord in charge of all the angelic hosts, the armies he's talking about. He is going to make sure that insects and disease do not get your plants. So apparently under the curse, they have freedom to eat everything you've got. Your tomatoes will not come through. You will lose your grapes. They will fall off the vine. How is it that without spraying the right pesticide, or timing these things exactly right, God says, I'll just protect your plants, and you will have more than you've ever had. 
How can he do that? Apart from, he's God. And he says, I'll just stop the insects. You ever dealt with insects in your plants? That's a booger. Oh, you can't say booger in church. For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Because he's going to, he's going to bless. He's going to open heaven's windows. And he's going to bring out these great riches, which includes doing things that are just the opposite of what the other nations are going to have. Because they don't, they're not turning to the Lord. Uh, he wants them to, the other nations. So that's why he wants to use Israel to say, look at this. Look at them. Look what I'm doing for them. They don't even have disease on their plants. They can go out in their garden and just pick it. It's good to go. You can eat it right off the vine because it doesn't have any pesticide on it. You don't have to wash it off. Just eat it. And it's there on the vine, not rotted, because I'm taking care of it. And the other nations are going, well, that's not how it works at our place. Things aren't working over here like that. No, this is God bringing about his blessing for his people. It's amazing. That imagery is just great. Maybe we should take that down to the county and show those guys, look what you can do. They'd be thrilled with that. All right, theology matters. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. That's verse 13. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You realize they're pretty oblivious to most of these things as we've gone through the book of Malachi. So verses 14 to 15, and this is the risky business part. You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed for those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. That's an interesting statement coming after the curse part and their plants are not producing as they should. Obviously, they're getting eaten up by... uh, the bugs and the diseases and the grapes are falling off the vine, but they've suffered no harm. Because, hey, if you just uh, go about your business doing it your way, obeying his commands are, you know, that's that's tough. To listen to God, to take time for God, when you've got your own hobbies and activities, you know, why? And the people who ignore him in the first place, look at that, they're... They're rich, and, and they, they get all the attention. They get more likes on Facebook. I mean, life's good for them. And who, who are we fooling here? We're trying, you know, we've done this. You know, what do we gain by obeying his commands or trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we're sorry for our sins? You recognize that their heart is not in this as we've gone along. Their heart is not included in this process, they may have gone to the temple, and then they've brought their the the worst of their sheep or whatever their sacrifices were, whatever was left over, the rotten bananas. And they bring them in, and they go here, here. This this will do for the Lord, and then they'll make a statement like that. 
you know, we, we obeyed his commands. We came to the temple. We did the thing. We tried to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we're sorry for our sins. And he's already called them out on that. No, they haven't. Their heart's not there. They haven't actually done any of this. That's why he's saying, test me. Test me. Just do it and see what happens with that. It's just a comp- uh, human kind of thing. Well, I haven't seen God come through and... You know, somebody told me this would happen if I did this. So quid pro quo. I want that. Here's my part. I get this. And God in heaven's going, what? That's not how this works. And where is the heart in this anyway? Isn't it to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, and then love others? And that the love thing is is included in all of this, and it's just missing in all of these statements it's missing that's what he's addressing in them they they're really not connecting and they don't even see it the psalms are filled with um, statements about why do the wicked prosper so when you read through the psalms you're getting heartfelt poetry from some writer thousands of years ago going this is a mess And it looks like those guys are getting away with a whole lot more than I'm getting away with, which is actually God's love because he wants to discipline his children. He wants to correct us. He wants us to enjoy a better life. So sometimes you go, well, that guy got away with that, and I didn't. Yeah, because he wants to make sure you don't do that again and your life can be better. Oh, well, it ticks me off because he got away with it. Yep, it's better to get caught the first time. Do not steal a Milky Way at the local store when you're five. Just saying. Your mom will notice that you have one and you didn't have the money to go there and get that. So how did you come back with that? It fit in my pocket. It wasn't me. It was someone I knew who did that. And then they have to go back Give it to the person at the cash register and explain, you know, I, I walked out with this and, oh boy. So they didn't have cameras, no CCTV, security guard, no Walmart checker at the person at the door. Didn't have any of that, just mom. You will go back. Do you know how many of those I've stolen since? Not a one. <laughs> no more. It's better to get caught. It's better to have to face it and get it done with. And then go, that eh, wasn't a good idea in the first place. I'm not sure I really realized there was a system there. I didn't realize capitalism and all, you know, I did, but I shouldn't have taken it, which I got. I got that. And that's what God's doing. He's trying to get our attention, say, yeah, just don't. And let me catch you first and uh, discipline. Hebrews 12 talks about that. And it doesn't feel good. And we think everybody else is getting away with things. And they're not. Because God is just. And he is always just. Because he is immutable. So he will make things come out right. Jeremiah 12 deals with that too. And the uh, Why do the wicked prosper? So there, there's some places you can go and look. And he addresses that in, in more detail. But... You get the feeling uh, this isn't new, and it's you know we're down the road a piece from when this was written, and we're going, yeah, still get it. 
still see that. Well, they still don't get away with it because God is just. The follow-up to that in verse 16, honoring the Lord, and we have used that a lot around here, and there's a reason for that, because this verse will give us a... Uh, it ought to make us feel special. I mean, this, this is really an amazing statement. Those who feared the Lord... That's who he's talking to. This group that didn't, he's dealt with. They, they, they just, well, you know, we tried that obeying the Lord thing. It didn't work for us. So he goes, All right, let me talk, talk to you about those who fear the Lord. It's a different group. They spoke with each other. And the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. The Lord's listening. The Lord has angels who are unseen but join in uh, believers' gatherings and listen in on conversations. All kinds of references to, to these to these uh, unseen beings who are representing the Lord and keeping track of things. And he checks with them periodically and says, well, how are they doing? You know, what's going on with this group or over there? And here's, this is one of those accounts of those who fear me, those, those who have a heart for God, those who are actually listening and obeying. Their, their conversation's different than those other people. So the other people are going to get together. They may be in a church. They may be in a Christian gathering, but you know what they're talking about? They're talking about the government, whatever government it is, whatever year, 1,000 years, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, they're talking about it. They're talking about their chariots and their chariot wheels, their horses, cars, lawnmowers, how the job's going, all kinds of things. The economy will always come into it, you know, whether it's uh, they're growing their wheat and living off the land or we're just saying the store shelves are thin, whatever it is, whenever it is. We're just talking about all those things. None of those things fit this. See it? I'm going to talk about my stuff, what bothers me, how I'm feeling, my toe hurts. I need to talk about that. All the important stuff. And God in heaven is saying, but those who fear me, those who have a heart for me, those who came close to me, those who want to come close to me, this is how they talk. And the Lord listened. And in his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. There's a conversation about him, about how he's come alongside, about how he's delivered. Maybe questions about, so how's he going to work this out? I, I seem, he seems far, far away, or I don't know what I need to do here but we're still talking about him 
We're still trusting him. We're still looking to him. But that conversation is happening. And when it does, he has angelic beings keeping a record and writing down your name. It's recorded forever. It goes into the record books, record halls of heaven. Kept forever. How many of your other conversations do you think are lasting? You sit around the table, you talk about all the other things. Who won Super Bowl 1981? Today's a big day. It's a big deal. It will gather more people watching TV than almost any other time in the year. It's a big deal. And you got to pull out your phone, look on Google to see who won Super Bowl because it's not even that lasting. And here God hears your conversation around the table and records it. Puts down your name with a star beside it. Gold star. Because you're special. You're one who fears him. And he will keep that for all time. Look at this. God's special treasure. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Malachi 3, 17 and 18. Then you will, will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. But wait, why do the wicked prosper? Just wait, he says, on that day. On that day, here's my people. They are my own special treasure, and I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. It will be obvious those who are his and those who are not. Those who have decided to go their own way, those who think they've figured this all out, those who do not want to obey, those who don't have a heart for the Lord. There will be a definite difference. You will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. He is looking out for his people. He wants to uh, take care of those who, who love him, who care for him. He wants to rescue you. He hears your cry. He says you are special. Well, I don't feel special. Well, you're just like somebody in a funhouse looking at the weird mirrors and going, that's me, that funny, wiggly person. No, it's not you. But somehow in our minds, we have our own perception. And he says, no, you come close to me. You trust me because I'm immutable. I don't change. If you got a bad perception of yourself, that's because you did that. Not me. You did that. If you walk away from me, those mirrors may reflect you. But you stay close to me, and your reflection will prove to you that you are something different, and you are a special treasure. And you look into that face that's looking back at you, your face, and it will change from glory to glory. That face. 
into the image of Christ. That face. Because you are a special treasure. And he's listening to your conversations. Next week we get to have third Sunday. We get to gather around the tables. And we often share that verse. Verse 16. That that's what we're doing. It's our opportunity to talk about him. Talk about him in our lives. Talk about him. How, he, how he's touched our lives. How he, uh, God's stories about how he's answered prayer. Or encouraged us. Or, or even if we're searching and wondering. We can bring those kind of things into it. If we spend the whole time talking about whether or not we should buy a new set of tires we're missing the point because he's taken down our names when we honor him and we talk about him that's what's happening he wants us to be so connected to him that that's what comes out we that's what we want to talk about that's our heart because we are his special treasure we are unique to him that whole thing is just, it's incredible that God on high, the creator of all things, sees us like that. That he cares about us like that. The judgment is certain. Certain as death. Hebrews nine twenty seven, And just as each person is destined to die once, after that comes judgment. So there's death. And then there's judgment because we continue to live. In case you're just worrying, you know, or working on that whole philosophy of, I don't know if there's anything after. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's plenty after. I know I get excited about that too. But the judgment is coming. It's, it follows. And when God is saying there's a difference, and you will see it, you will see it, the difference between the righteous and the wicked. He's going to bring that because he's just, and he is immutable. He does not change. He's just doing amazing things. And when he says you are his special treasure, he's telling you the truth. So living like God's special treasure, living like God's special treasure, uh, here's some things to consider. Uh, know the Lord's character. So immutability is one of those. That he doesn't change. Malachi 3.6, just put that on your refrigerator and work on that one. He remains the same. Everything else may change. Uh, the seasons will change. We will change. We get old. He does not. He will remain the same. And it's really good he's not moody. So know the Lord's character. Give generously to God. If you have a heart for him, then the giving is just easy. Because you, you care about what he cares about. So giving generously to God. Stay loyal and obedient to the Lord. Find out what it is that God wants you to do. Do that. And talk about the Lord's greatness and honor him. That's something we can do when we have conversations. Uh, talk about the Lord's greatness and honor him. Enjoy the blessings of being God's special treasure. Just enjoy them. You don't even have to spray your tomatoes. The grapes will not fall off the vine. He's going to take care of us. Whatever that means for us in our world and the things that we're doing today, it just means he's going to be there to make sure that that takes, takes place. 
And it is just amazing, the potential, the possibilities that exist and all that. You are God's special treasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, your great love for us. Thank you that with Christ, uh, we also have all things. That you have more in store for us than we can uh, wrap our heads around. This is just the beginning of, of some things that can move us forward in, in life here, now, and in the future, in the life that's coming. Thank you for your patience with us. I pray, Lord, that your word would penetrate our hearts, that we would fall more in love with you than we ever have, that we would desire to uh, honor you in our conversation, in our giving, in our obedience. Lord, that we would come near to you and know that you are coming near to us, that we would really believe you when you say you will do that. And Lord, thank you that we are so blessed to be your special treasure. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.